Lord Jesus, we come today. We thank you so much for provision, for food for the stomach. Father, we ask for uh, your spirit to reign here. God, we consecrate this time to you, Father. God, would you just sidle up to us, wrap us up in your love, remind us that your favor is on us. God, that you've given us your blessing. God, that you love us, that you care for us. And then we pray, amen. Simple melody. 
Father, and I am loved by the Son. Jesus, there's something beautiful and powerful about declaring that we are indeed loved, God, that we are accepted, that we are blessed, that we are favored by you, our Father. Lord Jesus, may we declare that over our own lives today. And God, we just stand in the authority given to us by the empty tomb, by the cross, And we declare this over this place, over this body, over these people, that we are indeed loved. That we are indeed being pursued. That we are cared for. God, that you love us, that you care for us, that you pursue us. And that you like us. In your name we pray. Amen. Good to see you guys again. I uh, was here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I was here about a month ago, and I shared a story about a preacher boy named Jonah who was told to go to a wicked city called Nineveh and give them a message of God's love and compassion toward people who live wicked lives and serve false gods. And if you remember, Jonah basically said to God, no. And not just no, but he said, heck no, I ain't going there. And not only did he say, heck no, I'm not going there, but I'm going to get on a ship and I'm going to go in the exact opposite direction from the city of Nineveh. And so the Bible tells us that Jonah fled or ran away from God. It said he fled from God. And as the story goes, Jonah was on a ship with some sailors, and God sent this horrible storm on the sea. And the sailors who were with Jonah threw Jonah into the sea to save their lives, and as soon as they did, the the storm calmed down. Now the Bible also tells us that God provided, that's the word he used, provided a large humongous fish. We think it's a whale, but we don't know. It doesn't say. So it may have just been a special fish for a special occasion. But Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish where he had some dark moments to think about his choice to run away from God. 
So Jonah prayed to God. He showed some amount of humility, and God caused the large fish then to vomit Jonah out of his mouth onto dry land. So from those first two chapters of the story, there's four chapters, we focused on when we run away from God, he reserves the right to bring things into our lives, maybe a storm to bring us back to his heart. And we also discovered that God can do whatever he wants to do that. We also learned that God does hear us when we call out in our darkness. And he hears us. Such was the case with Jonah. And we learned that we really, really, even though we want to try to run away from God, he's right there beside us. And he's especially there beside us when we are in desperate, desperate situations that we often bring upon ourselves. God is merciful, and we cannot escape his presence. So let's pick up on the next part of the story. I'm going to read to you straight from chapter 3 and 4 today, because it, it reads pretty easy, and I'm, I'm just going to read. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He got a second chance, folks. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the, the message I give you. So Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. So they declared a fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth which was basically a sign of humility and repentance, confession of their wickedness. And so when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger, and we will not perish. And when God saw what they did and how they had turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he threatened. So let's recap. God gave Jonah a second chance to do what he wanted Jonah to do. Jonah reluctantly obeyed God and the wicked, evil people of Nineveh decided to listen to what God wanted. They turned their hearts to God and they did not suffer the wrath of God. In other words, God showed them tremendous Mercy. He did not punish them as they deserved. Now, folks, I've been in ministry a while. Keith's been in ministry. Some of you guys have been in the church for a long time. For any preacher boy to see a whole city turn toward God, it's a good day. It's an awesome day that very, very few preachers 
get to be a part of, where an entire city hears and obeys the heart of God. But this was not the case for Jonah. I'm going to read chapter 4 now. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall, keep from happening, by fleeing to Tarshish in the boat. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? The story continues. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it to grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. Come on, shade. (laughs) And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Listen to what Jonah says. It is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And so many animals? That's the way the story ends. And as I said, for most of us to see a large city of wicked people turn their hearts to God and receive his message and love and forgiveness, for most of us, this is an exceptional day. A day to shout loud and far about the miracle of how good and merciful God's forgiveness and acceptance is, even toward evil people. But not for Jonah. Jonah was mad. He was ticked. He was angry at God for showing love, compassion, and mercy toward a bunch of sorry, sorry Folks, Jonah was mad because God did not judge the people of Nineveh the way that Jonah wanted him to. Jonah wanted God to destroy the people of Nineveh. Jonah did not want God to be merciful and compassionate toward these evil heathens. So let me ask you some questions to ponder in your hearts today. These are important questions. Is is there anyone in your life today that you don't like and you don't want God to love? 
Is there anyone in your life that you don't want to be forgiven of their horrible sins and hurts? Maybe they've caused you, maybe they've caused others, or maybe both. Is there anyone in your life that you want God to judge more harshly? Or let me ask it this way. Are you really okay? Are you okay with God loving your enemies and showing them mercy? Are you okay with God not punishing people the way you believe they should be punished and judged? Folks, if I'm honest with you today, I am not always in agreement with God about not dispensing justice the way that I think he should or that I would do. There seems to be a lot of evil people in the world today doing some evil and wicked things and seemingly get away with it. And I don't get it. And I certainly wish God would do things differently. I wish God would zap, like zap, all the evil politicians and these evil corporate business leaders that seem to get away with murder and stealing and a whole bunch of unjust policy-making decisions that hurt people like you and me. I wished he would look at things a little differently than that, like me. But here's the thing, folks. I'm not God, and neither are you. We don't get to dole out justice as we want. We don't get to put a hold on God's bank account of mercy toward other people. God doesn't give us the duty of deciding who deserves mercy and forgiveness. And as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us what God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now, the story of Jonah is just one story of mercy. The Bible tells us of God's mercy. I want to give another brief summary of another story that most of you know that illustrates the bigness of God's mercy. It's the story of the lost son, otherwise known as the prodigal son. It's a story of two sons who are brothers and their loving, gracious father. The young brother is a rule breaker. Anybody here a rule breaker? I am. <laughs> and the other is a rule keeper. Anybody here a rule keeper? Yeah, I am when, it, when it's best for me. <laughs> See, the younger son asks his father for a portion of the family estate as an early inheritance. Once received, the younger son sets off on a long journey to a distant land and begun, begins to waste his fortune on wild living. And when the money runs out, a severe famine hits the country and the son finds himself in desperate circumstances. He takes a job feeding pigs. And eventually he grows so destitute and desperate that he even longs and wants to eat food assigned to the pigs. The young family, the, excuse me, the young man finally comes to his senses remembering his loving father. And in true humility, he recognizes his foolishness and decides to return to his father and ask for forgiveness and mercy. The father who's been watching and waiting receives his son back with open arms of compassion. He is overjoyed by the return of his lost son. Immediately, the father turns to his servants and asks them to prepare an enormous feast in celebration of the son's return. Meanwhile, the older son, the rule keeper, boils and seethes in anger when he, when he comes in from the fields working only to discover a party with music and dancing to celebrate 
his younger brother's return. The father tries to dissuade the older brother from his jealous rage and explaining, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and, had, and has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. The older brother suffered from Jonah, unmerciful syndrome. He detested the fact that his younger brother, sinful brother, had ran off and squandered his inheritance, broken all the rules, and yet was receiving a forgiveness or a mercy party. Folks, let's jump ahead real quick to Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross for you and me, his sacrifice provided all the mercy we need. All the mercy for eternity was poured out with an overflowing of compassion and forgiveness at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, the Bible describes many riches of God's provision for all we need. The Bible speaks of the riches of His grace. It speaks of the riches of His inheritance for His people. It speaks of the riches of His glory. But there's only one thing that God said, the Bible says God is rich in. One place. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that God is rich in mercy. And many of us here today can attest to the fact that God has been merciful to us. God is more than a multi-quadrillionaire owner of the account on mercy, folks. He has supplied more than we can imagine. And because of the fact that he has given us so much, he requires from us that we not be stingy. And we not withhold mercy from others. God's heart is generous toward us with what we need. And he does not want us to hold on to unforgiveness and our false sense of justice for very long. He certainly understands it. But you can't hold on to it. He understands how much we need and he asks us to pass on some of this mercy to others. So today, maybe you are in need of mercy, or maybe you need to grant mercy to others who maybe you see as your enemies. Either way, God will give generously to all who ask. I'm going to share a brief testimony of some of my own brokenness. About eight years ago, I was drinking a lot of alcohol. I was making some really bad decisions. And I had to spend a night in the Jefferson County Jail for my, for my actions. I got, I got pulled over. And God got a hold of me. I stopped drinking. I haven't had any more alcohol in over eight years now. But what was amazing to me is I, I had, a, I had a, a friend who was a lawyer. He didn't charge me anything for his services. And we waited things out. And the charge went completely away, like it was completely erased, gone, like it never happened. And folks, that is what God's mercy is all about. We deserve more punishment than we, than we get much of the time. But his mercy is so generous. It's so ample. It is, 
it, you can't measure his mercy. He poured out all his mercy at the cross when he put Jesus on there for you and for me. See? That's good stuff this morning. Um, if you will, you bow, your, bow your heads and close your eyes with me one sec. I'm going to take just a moment, but I want you to, let's do as the psalmist says, to be still and know that God is God. So just for a moment, life gets busy and we're, you know, about to, to give out supplies and um, leave this place. But before we do, I just want us to, to soak in what we've heard for just a moment. And I want to share one thought with you. And so if you will, just in a worshipful kind of posture, just think on these things. John just told you that God is rich in mercy. I want you just to think about yourself and all of your sin that you've ever committed. And I want you to think about your friends out here and all the sins that they've ever committed, my, myself included. If we just stopped there and we said, man, that, that's a lot of mercy, God, for you to throw around. But I want to encourage you, not only us in this parking lot, but the entire world. He is all about lavishly giving mercy and he never runs dry. Mercy will never be bankrupt in heaven. And I want to share this before I pray. Um, I was getting to share the story of our church this morning to one of our guests, and I was telling them that November will be six years that we've gathered together as a church in this way. Um, to my knowledge, and I know this is correct, not, not a Sunday mist, rain or shine, COVID, hurricane, snow. We've been out here. And the reason is just that, is because we know that the mercy of God is plentiful. And we want you to know with every dip of taco salad, every smile, every handshake, every hug, that it is so much more than you being welcomed here or by a group of human beings. But every scoop, every handshake, every smile, every hug is to point that there is a better way, a way filled in love and mercy and grace and compassion. Look at me one second. I want to tell you this with a heart of love. If you haven't been told today that you are loved, you are loved. And you had a, a group of, of guests that came and they served with a smile and you had people that shook your hand and hugged and we all did that with one another and that's wonderful. But that is so small in comparison to what all of that is for is to let you know that you are absolutely adored and loved by God. And for my friend in the crowd, it would say, not me. You don't know what I just did last night. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing, or what you will do. There is grace, there is love, there is mercy, and there is forgiveness. And so I'm going to pray that over your heart this morning. If you've never met him, that today would be the day to say, I will in 
with that. I want Him to be my Savior, then amen. We're all about that. If you already know Him, that that reminder of love, you would say, you know what, I want to walk a step closer to a God like that. And so that's our prayer for you this morning. Thank you, John, for sharing with us. Thank you for our guests for being here. Blake and Caitlin have known them forever. And man, I'm just so proud of them and the smiling faces that you brought with you. Thank you so much. Uh, We have been blessed by your presence. So let's just pray together. Father, that is my prayer this morning, that if someone here doesn't know you, that today they would say yes to the God that is rich in mercy. Take you at your word. They don't have to trust me. They can come and ask you, Jesus, I need mercy. I need grace. I pray a hundred million percent believing that if someone prays that to you today, that you'll show it. You're faithful in that. And Father, if we already know you, that just being reminded of that love draws us a step closer to you, that we say, you know what, I want more of that. And then, as John said, once we've received that, that we don't keep it to ourselves, but that we give it freely, God, as you give it freely to us. That is the reason for the church. And so let us be a part of that this week and every day uh, that you grant us opportunity to have breath in our lungs and rhythm in our heart. And just, Jesus, we love you and confess as a people we need you. Thank you again for everything today from the group that came out to serve with us, John that shared the word, Jesse that led us in worship, Brantley and all he does uh, to make all this possible, and the people who've prepared food and every scoop, every, every bit, even the provisions that are about to be given out now, we pray, uh, God, just you do your thing with that. And we just trust the results and we pray and ask your blessings over it all, over everybody that's here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You today.